feature presentation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Untitled Movie Podcast, episode 143. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, it was my year of dicks all the way. Yeah, that was funny. That was good. That was good. Yes, today on today's episode, we'll be talking Oscar nominations, critics' choice winners, uh, how Sundance is going so far, just kind of shooting the shit together and talking about things. The Last of Us. Go check out The Cast of Us, our new podcast, where we break down every episode of The Last of Us. We'll probably talk a little bit about that um, and other things. But the big thing today, Eric, yes, Oscar nominations this morning, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, 5.30 a.m. Pacific. Uh, I feel bad for all the people on the West Coast that have to wake up that early and stay awake during the rest of the day like i mean a a lot of these people that are that are covering have to go do tv hits write articles do all that kind of stuff where but here you get the expert oscar analysis (laughs) from your number one oscar pundits matt rohrbeck eric marchin can't believe every single one of my predictions was correct i got a hundred percent didn't miss a single thing yes i even called uh, to Leslie getting a, a not <laughs> Andrea Riseborough. In you can't even remember. That's how good it. you are. <laughs> Guess what? Had no idea what that movie was. I had no idea. I have no idea what that movie is. Uh, so I'm excited to watch it now. Um, but yeah, uh, Oscar noms are this morning. Um, like I said, this is all very silly. All I see on Twitter after this is complaining about what got snubbed. Why don't we focus? There are certain things that I think are valid to talk about. And we will, uh, no I think, once we... Best directing, yeah. No women in the best directing category. Uh, uh, you know, uh, people of color not being nominated in certain categories. That kind of balance still being off and, and effed up and people missing out on things. I think all that stuff is valid. Um, but what I'm saying is, like, it's all... like It doesn't change the know, film in any well, way. It no, doesn't make and, the and movie you can better. only nom. You can only nominate five people and you're not in control of it. It's a a group of almost 2000 people in the industry. I'm like, it it sucks at times, but I'm also just like, all right, a lot of great things got nominated. A lot of surprises um, as well. And Elvis. um, (laughs) And Elvis. Yeah. So uh, we'll go through everything. I think both the critics choice. uh, We're a little delayed on that, but it just it's crazy right now with Sundance and other things like that. So uh, we're going to go over the critics choice winners and the Oscar nominations. We'll probably kind of do that. We'll go through the Oscars right away and then we'll go into the critics choice winners as well to maybe kind of see if we can learn anything from that for this. Um, Eric, how are you in general? How are you doing? Matt? Uh, I'm good. I mean, like we're, we're busy. I think, I think ultimately like, you know, you, you mentioned it off the top of the show that, you know, we're, we're in the middle of Sundance as we're recording this, we're, we're, we're watching it, it Sundance movies. It kind of just movies. snuck up on me too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, we have the, 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 now the tail end of award season coming up, the Oscar nominations kind of being the, the final kind of big, uh, sort of hoorah of, of what's going to be nominated. Yeah. And, and that's something that we're going to be talking about. And then, you know, you're getting ready to go on a trip. So like, there's a lot of things that are kind of like, you know, we're juggling. We're doing the last and, of us pod. We yeah. launched a brand new podcast, which <laughs> is like, course. like we didn't have, like we didn't have enough stuff to do where we're doing like scene by scene breakdowns of, of, of a, you know, a big show, something we've never done before. We're trying something a little bit different. So, um, and we're, I think we're both enjoying the hell out of that. So yes. obviously I have a, I have a huge passion for the last of us you you're watching it for the first time um but 
Um, I'm really kind of enjoying those breakdowns because we can kind of get into the nitty gritty and, and talk about it full spoilers and different things like that. So, um, yeah, I, you know, we have to record a couple more episodes before I leave in exactly basically a week. So oh there's a lot and all of our Sundance reviews. So, yeah, our Sundance reviews will be starting to drop uh, today, Tuesday, January 24th. As you're listening to this, we should have a couple out per day. Uh, Eric and I are going to try to record a lot over the next couple of days and um, and drop them out probably two a day, maybe something like that. I have to see how many we end up recording and 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 get up there. And we'll obviously do like a recap show after the festival um, and things like that. But yeah, Sundance has been busy. I it snuck up on me um, because like I don't know, just with the new year and things like that. And we didn't cover Sundance last year. And um I wasn't in the festival headspace, I guess, you know, like for TIFF, you prep so much going into it and for Sundance, because it's a lot more, um, either indie stuff or stuff you, you haven't heard of before. I'm going in basically without knowing anything about most of these movies. So you're kind of just picking based on, you know, what has distributor, some directors you like that are there, some actors. Yeah. And things like that. And you're kind of just, uh, going, all right, let's a little description, a little synopsis and kind of going in where TIFF, I feel like it's so many, you know, big Oscar movies or awards bait or big titles that you kind of go in knowing what you want to see right away. Or films that have already played at festivals, right? Yeah. Like you'll probably get some stuff that plays at this Sundance Film Festival that maybe is going to play, um, you know, at TIFF or Telluride or New York at, at at the end of the year in terms of reminding people about potential awards consideration. So it is a full cycle, but at the same time, it's this time of year is a bit of a, a, a palate cleanser in that, you know, you're starting from a clean slate and, 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 and building on things that you haven't seen. So there's a lot of stuff where you're going into it completely fresh and that's yeah. both exciting, but also, you know, it, it's, it's more difficult to navigate. It's a crap shoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little bit of a crap, a little <laughs> bit of a crap shoot. And we'll get into that, but like it's, um, but once I got going, even though you, I'm, kind of leading people i haven't really my sundance has been a little rough so far but there's been some highs so we'll get into that and you can check out all of our reviews but um you know i've been watching stuff with my wife and uh we you know we've been watching two or three movies a day and i haven't had that it's it gets exhausting your letterbox is like what's happening (laughs) i know because last year my letterbox was so it was probably my lowest year ever for watching stuff at home like i just barely watched anything at home last year um i only really saw a lot of stuff in theaters and and new release stuff but um this year yeah right away i'm just like you know i've watched seven so far i think series stop i'm not talking to you um and that yeah okay yeah 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 um so yeah it's been it's been fun even if i'm only you know two or three out of seven or eight that i've really really enjoyed but um you check out all of our reviews we'll we'll mention which ones we're reviewing later in the show when we kind of talk about uh how sundance has been going um but yeah that's and then i'm getting ready to go to disney world next week with with my whole family which should be fun so i'll talk about that when i get back you know i love the little travel episodes we do like i'll I'll give you guys a a rundown of you know the Rohrbeck family disney adult trip (laughs) so um it's uh it should be fun I'm going with my wife, my sister, and my two parents, um, and 
we haven't done a family vacation like that in, I mean, everyone came to my wedding in Croatia, but I felt like that's different. Um, this is like the whole time. Well, I mean, you're not technically my family, so <laughs> you get a pass. Um, and then, uh, but we haven't done like a family trip where we all go to the same location, spend every waking moment together since Disney, probably 13, 14 years ago. Um, and I love theme parks. I'm going to go to universal, uh, uh, resort Orlando as well. So uh, you guys heard the last episode where we went to Universal in Los Angeles. Um, we're going to kind of go to the one in Orlando and compare some of the new stuff. So shout out to Universal for hooking me up there as well. So that should be fun. So that'll be kind of on the next episode in two, three weeks time, depending on uh, that. And while we're gone, you might get some, or while I'm gone, you'll get some Sundance reviews probably. Um, you'll get last of us uh the cast of us podcast while i'm gone and different things like i'll that. be still Give doing the, rogers uh, stuff yeah knows, maybe yeah. we'll record a couple reviews for uh missing or um megan maybe just to have some reviews out while i'm gone so we'll see how much we can accomplish in a week and a half but we're ambitious uh, right now being, <laughs> we say this right now but with all the sundance stuff we got to do and I'm like underprepared as shit because I got to do like all the back end stuff in the, the graphics and Photoshop and stuff like that. Anyways, no one gives a shit about that. You either just come here to listen or watch and we appreciate it. But Eric, let's get into Oscar nominations. So this yes. morning, uh, Allison Williams and Riz Ahmed uh, announced all of the nominees for the 95th Academy Awards. Uh, let's go through them all and just kind of see how we feel about each category, or I can just read off everything and we can talk about it as a whole. Let's start. Um, like, let's do category per category because I feel like that okay. is a good way to break it down and people kind of like kind of dissecting certain things. And it's also yeah. good for us, I think, as well, because when, you know, you're watching it as it's, it's as it's oh, happening so fast. You're not processing what is getting nominated or or what is. And like you do pick up on a couple things that maybe you're most interested in, but yeah, I still think like we're even now still kind of figuring out like, oh, that got nominated or oh, that or that missed or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of like I'm clueless. Like you're you're really good at this stuff. I'm kind of just along for the ride where like in the moment when we leading up to this, we'll talk about what we think will get nominated, what won't, things like that. But um, when it's actually happening, I'm like, what got in? What didn't? Who missed? Like, were they? you know things like that like there's the obvious ones like andrea riseborough and i think some of the acting nominees were surprising and stuff like that but we'll get there um i'm gonna yeah, start jared at the leto bottom. from morbius Oof, didn't see that I, one i'm gonna start at the bottom uh from this academy's uh website uh and then we'll go up so i have no idea what this order is but we'll go in the order that i have here so uh writing original screenplay you have banshees of inishirin everything everywhere all at once the Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness. Eric, how do you feel about that? It's a, it's a good group. I mean, the one that I feel is missing, and and as soon as that category came up, because that was earlier on in in the telecast, was I was my heart kind of sunk a little bit for After Sun. Oh yeah, um, because yeah. I kind of felt like that might have been the one nomination it received. If it did get anything, would be original screenplay. Um, because usually the screenplay categories, the the, the writers uh, branch, they are pretty good at nominating stuff. It's kind of not just you know um, 
the, the predictable nominees. They go for things yeah. that are a little bit outside of the norm, whether, you know, they nominate something from an international film or even an animated movie, you know, they're willing to kind a genre of, movie. Yeah. They're willing to kind of take that, yeah. that step outside of, of their comfort zone and, and nominate something that's truly, you know, not that the, the, the nominees here aren't worthy, but a lot of them that you read off there kind of feel like, Oh, these are films that would be, you know, the usual suspects in, in this award season. So like the Banshees of Inishirin, I think that's probably the one that's going to, going to win in that category. And Mark McDonough is, is very respected within the writer's branch. And as a playwright himself, um, you know, I feel like that's going to be something that is going to be the one to beat. you know? And then like, again, yeah, you look at this category. Triangle making it, I'm just kind of surprised. Yes. So triangle overall doing, I know way well. better than I thought. <laughs> Uh, I mean, obviously it did win the Palm d'Or at Cannes earlier uh, yeah. last year, but, but I felt it like it kind of disappeared. Kind of yeah. 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 Post-tip so that's why we'll, we'll get, we'll get to it, but it pops up in way more spots than I kind of anticipated. So every time it came up, I was like, oh shit, I thought we all kind of forgot about, it. I like Triangle of Sadness quite a bit, but I, I, I agree with that and Fablemans were the two movies that I probably really enjoyed at TIFF and then hadn't really thought about or weren't passionate about afterwards so obviously there's a lot of fans for for both so um, well triangle yeah, sadness getting a criterion uh 4k blu-ray release th- through neon so yeah. you know that only adds to the excitement and anticipation of maybe revisiting it because again i think yeah. part of the problem that i had with the movie even though i liked it as well is it's not able to sustain itself over that nearly three hour runtime where it's like it almost feels like there are sections of the movie as almost like an anthology kind of story that kind of like, you know, from the couple to the cruise to the totally, Island yeah. where it's like, there are certain sequences that work better than others. And obviously the kind of main set piece of the, the vomiting uh, during the storm is the highlight. But then the one person that everybody thought might get in, in terms of the acting, Dolly uh, DeLeon didn't for supporting actress. So that's yeah. also very interesting. We'll get there. Wait, okay, we'll get right, there, right, Eric. Right, I'm sorry. Um, we're on fucking writing right now. <laughs> um, adapted screenplay. All Quiet on the Western Front. Another movie. Netflix, I feel like, put all their awards money into other things. And then the one thing uh, that got nominated in basically everything was All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, but then here, another Netflix movie, the one kind of thing Glass Onion got in for was uh, Adapted Screenplay. You had Living, you had Top Gun Maverick, and you had Women women Talking. So uh, awesome to see women talking in there. Um, I think Glass Onion's deserving as well. If it was going to get anything uh, this award season, um, that script is really clever and tight um i still need to see all quiet on the western front that shows you that netflix pushed so much other stuff that i feel like their awards push for all quiet i it it built slowly i remember i heard a lot of people talk about it but um i just haven't gotten around to it yet Matt, it was literally all quiet on the awards front until really bad like Like, it seemed to be doing well with like bafta nominated it for a bunch of stuff and, and like it did well Technically, but to your point, Netflix was pushing Glass Onion, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, uh, Bardo, you know, like these were the movies that they were hoping would be more kind of prevalent in the awards conversation. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm very happy that Sarah Pauly. Oh, they pushed the the Bombback movie, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, it, um, and, and again, White you know, like, Noise just 
completely tanked. For them, but it, but that's a very divisive movie. But I think part I know, of it is that they put so much right? money um, into that film, and also they're thinking, okay, well, Noah Baumbach, the last time you know he made a movie was for Netflix, and it was Marriage Story. So it's kind of like you know we we need to kind of like push there's a this movie, movie they probably hoped was in this category right and then yeah. for adapted screenplay and just didn't didn't show so uh but great to see sarah Pauly's uh women talking script in there uh top gun maverick getting a screenplay nom is i love that movie but that uh i don't know if the script is something that i'm like um is the standout thing but hey good for top gun maverick i I'm, like the script i might disagree there a little bit because yeah. i think the script i mean the editing, I think, is the thing that is truly the standout. And and again, we're going to get. I mean, to I love it, Christopher McQuarrie, so good for him. For that's the thing. I think. I think his touch in coming in and 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 doing rewrites really helped bring it all together. Oh, absolutely. And that's a way yeah. of showing you that you know a, a, a script like that, especially uh, um, you know, a screenplay as kind of streamlined as it is, needs. A group of people, because obviously in this situation, yeah. you had, you know, a writer's room kind of mentality. And then after the fact, you, you know, Cruz brings in Macquarie to kind of like basically clean Script things doctor, up. Right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And just going back to the original screenplay, another nominee that wasn't there that truly does deserve to be there is is Nope. Um, and, and again, I agree, you know, a movie, that, a, a movie that didn't show up anywhere. anywhere like, I mean, it didn't make like, the shortlist for sound, which is embarrassing cinematography that those nominees, when we get there, like it, it, it's a movie that someone said, like, you know, get out did so well at the Oscars. And then since then Jordan Peele just hasn't really shown up, you know, with, with us or, or Nope. But um, I think Nope was totally deserving. I, I have really lately wanted to rewatch it because I've only seen it that one time in IMAX. But how that IMAX cinematography doesn't get in there, and like we'll get to the cinematography nominees in a sec. But and also um, in adapted, the other omission that I'm not necessarily like bummed out about, but I was kind of surprised because it seemed like a shoe in, and it was also something that everybody was talking about throughout the season was the whale. Uh, the, the the screenplay for the whale not nominated and adapted, um, so that yeah. is kind of interesting as well because the whale did the show movie's up not in yeah, acting the categories. Good. So the Which actors sense, were the ones the only... that pushed for it the most, obviously. Yeah, and I think that's the correct choice personally. But uh, all right, moving on to visual effects, we have All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, uh, Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick. So this is your kind of blockbuster category, as it usually is every year, minus All Quiet on the Western Front, which I know is a big movie and and, and things like that, but not in the same way these other four are. So um, yeah, not much to talk about here. I think, you know, obviously I think this is Avatars, but like... Um, I, I think all of these movies, I, minus I haven't seen All Quiet yet, which I will get to, um, I think have good special effects, so no complaints there. I don't think anything is, like, snubbed. I, I, I think there's a couple things there. that are snubbed. <clears throat> nope. Really? I think Jean Jacket, as, as no, a character, yeah, and well, as a design, and a as a visual, yes. is an important one. And I think one that didn't make the shortlist um, when it was announced originally that should also be here, that's been nominated for the most Oscars this year. Is everything everywhere all at once? I think the visual yeah. effects aren't. You're right. Post production in terms of like CGI and captured in a computer. The way I think they are that's what Avatar, it is. Is like, but they're handcrafted yeah. and they're and they add so much. I to agree. The I just, I just think the black and white nature that people look at 
kind of some of these categories. I think, you know, nope, not being really anywhere is the reason why it doesn't show up here. And I don't know what you bump out. Like, I guess I, I don't know what the special effects in All Quiet on the Western Front. It's a war movie, right? So, yeah. like, I guess World it's War a lot I. of like, yeah. So, you know, I don't know what you mm-hmm. bump out of here um, for either of those movies. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm wearing this shirt. It got the most Oscar nominations. Like, I, I love everything everywhere all at once. And I would love that style of visual effects to be kind of recognized, right? Not just the big budget um, you know, huge movies with huge special effects studios working on it and stuff like that. Like, I love the tactile nature and the kind of, um, you know, Daniel Kwan talked about it recently of just being like, you know, they learned from movies from the nineties, right. Of how to be creative with a smaller budget and, and try to use modern technology to recreate, you know, practical effects and different things like that. And like, um, yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, see, this is when I'm like, oh, nothing seems to be missing. And you're, <laughs> and yet you're wearing the stuff. shirt so like, that, 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 uh, that, that has. Yeah, the- I just, you know, this is how, again, I just my brain works this way. I'm like, oh, these all seem fair to me. Because like, to me, I agree with you on both of those movies. But I'm just like, I think it's fair for each one of these fives to be nominated here. Sure. In terms of like the most showy, right? Like sometimes there are films also that we're not even talking about that. Sometimes we don't notice them. Right. right? You know, like, like something like decision to leave, I think has a lot of great augmented special effects where there's the combinations of green screen and post-production that we're not even really noticing. Like that mountain sequence at the beginning of, of that movie. Yeah. Um, is incredibly Sometimes effects well are done. so good you don't know they're special yes. effects so and no you don't nominate them. them and and that's the thing <laughs> yeah. that sucks and then some of them are more handcrafted and 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 practical and and within the frame that it's almost like are they visual effects or are they makeup and 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 hairstyling yeah. like you know like something like Rakakuni like that is a visual effect that is a puppet that is something that has been built and handcrafted and like that is such a, a, an important part but every little detail of that movie and you know, we'll do it a couple of times and we'll do it here. You know, first you mentioned Daniel Kwan talking about it, but he also talked about it during our interview with him, which you can go back yeah. and, and and watch or listen to, um, you know, on the Untitled Movie uh, podcast. Uh, and, and again, like it's and just on YouTube. <clears throat> it's so tactile, right? Like it's it's one yeah. of those things where you're looking at it and you think to yourself, you know, it, it's it's still showy, but it's showy in a way that's going back to a form that is analog. And I think that that's it's something key. I was I it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately because I just saw a skin of a rink. Um, and it's something, you know, you hear a lot of filmmakers talk about and, you know, a lot of you know people who on film Twitter and people who talk about movies and obsess over them is like sometimes when you have too much of a budget, you take the easy way out, right? When you're limited in your budget, you have to kind of get creative in the way that you do things because you don't have the funds to just pay a big special effects studio to do something or you're so limited with your budget, you have to figure out a way to do it in camera and and things like that. And that's what I kind of loved about Everything Everywhere All at Once and recently Skinamarink because Skinamarink is made for $15,000, probably Canadian. So that's like 10 grand uh, US. <laughs> and um, I just, I, I, I really liked that movie because the way like I, again, it's visual effects are incredibly creative because you're so limited with your budget. You have to figure out ways to just kind of do it yourself. And, and, um, I don't know. I just been thinking about that a lot lately because, um, I think skin of a rinks 
hype will ultimately hurt that movie, but I think there's so much creativity in that movie uh, with your limited budget that that stuff always like stood out to me. Not that Skin of Marine is going to show up next year in visual effects or be <laughs> best picture or be Canada's Canada's submission for international best international film. But um, and everyone, you should check out Skin of Marine. It's uh, interesting. Um, also, Maybe another movie I'm looking at talk about it when it comes out. after Yang is another movie that I think uses very subtle yeah. special, special effects yeah. in terms of augmenting the sort of futuristic landscape of which the characters and, and the world building is. But even like, you know, when they're looking into the Yang character and like the way that we see yeah. you know, the technology and human hybrid coming together, it's great very much lived in and real and and doesn't feel completely like you're being taken out of the world that you're watching you know there's still a relatability to it and that is always something that i think is again easily overlooked because it's all about the showiness of it you know it's all about the spectacle yeah. and as much as i love seeing the batman nominated like it's it's just one of those things where it's like yeah it makes perfect sense because it is a big blockbuster it's it's a lot of post-production there's a lot of people working on it the longer the end credits for a movie are usually are the films that tell you that are going to yeah. be nominated for certain things because you have so many people working on it and it's not that they don't deserve it it's just that sometimes it's nice to kind of go with things that are a little bit outside of um the expected and and again going back to original screenplay another nominee that should have been there that could have been turning red really good script and a really wonderfully nuanced look at a mother daughter relationship. So yeah. Okay. Um, sound. Uh, we have all quiet on the Western front showing up everywhere. Avatar, the way of water, the Batman, uh, Elvis and Top Gun Maverick. So very similar to the visual effects category, but you have Elvis, uh, swapping out, uh, for black Panther, um, here. So a lot yeah, of white I, noise in that, in that movie. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm okay with all of these as well. Um, again, I agree with you with Nope again, something that should have been there. Um, uh, uh, things like that, but we'll, we could say Nope for many, many different categories. So, um, well, uh, another design, one that's I, uh, not there that I think is kind of interesting though, is Babylon. Babylon's another movie yeah. that kind of feels like the sound, like obviously the score, was nominated, mm-hmm. but the sound Which is design the only of that nomination film, it got, right? No, three. It got three nominations. Okay, did it get so like Mary's Offrey's got a costume design nomination and costume, I costume. Okay, yeah, and there's another. We'll we'll get we'll to get it, but there. it's we'll three. But yeah. but sound okay. also plays a, a, an important role in that. And I know you didn't like yes. the movie, but even Tar, I think Tar, there's yeah. an important aspect of how the sound design of that movie. The sound works. is a literal point of the movie, right? In both of those movies. So the way that they kind of, I agree with you there. Um, moving on to short films. We'll just run through these because I don't think either of us have seen any of these. So live action short film, An Irish Goodbye, Ivalu, uh, La Pupil, uh, Night Ride, The Red Suitcase for live action. Animated short film, you have The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse, uh, The Flying Sailor, Ice Merchants, My Year of Dicks, uh, <laughs> and An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake, and I Think I Believe It. Um, I'm excited to check some of these out. I uh, I don't always watch the short films before the Oscars, uh, but like I know Tiff every year does that uh, kind of um, 
showcase where they show all of the short films. Uh, I don't know if they continue to do that, but I know theaters used to do that, which I thought was always a cool thing that they did. Um, but shout out to all these films. You guys should check them out if you can. Yeah. Uh, uh, unless you have anything to say. I was just going to quickly say <laughs> yeah. Clay- Clayton Davis wrote an article and, and drew my attention to this. So I have to give him all the credit here. Um, but uh, and, and again, I'm probably butchering the title of this, but Le Poupin um, is co-produced by Alfonso Cuaron. And Alfonso oh, Cuaron cool. now has seven nominations in different, like, like well, no, he has more than seven nominations, but different like in terms of categories. Yeah. So he's now tied, yeah. I think, with um, Kenneth Branagh in terms of the most categories different per categories, yeah. person. So that's kind of interesting. And again, going back quickly to visuals, another film that should have been nominated, RRR. How fucking dare you? Yeah, I agree. I, I just... You know, Nevis and I were watching the nomina- nominations this morning, and uh, she was like, "Oh, is RR gonna?" I'm like, "I really think Natu Natu is the only place that it's gonna show up," and like that's unfortunate. But you know, the uh, visual effects in RRR are are um, you know we said like aren't like they fit that movie so well, and I think yes. they are impressive, but they aren't you know true to life per se or anything like that, right? Like they still. And I could see, you know, the Academy or people voting just like they'll go for these bigger movies rather than that, which is unfortunate. But, you know, I I do get it, I guess. Um, Moving on to production design. uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis and the Fablemans. Um, So Babylon does show up here because, again, it goes by so quickly. Babylon, you know, showed up in maybe less places than you assumed maybe. Uh, with predictions earlier in the year i know it slowed after it got very mixed reception when it came out but the people who like that movie i think really like that movie i am one of them but it kind of made sense in the categories that it did show up for i think the production design is great here uh everything everywhere all at once missing this is um one that i would point out again uh you know like things like the fablemans like i get it like it, we said like the craft of that movie is so great right it's the same thing i said about west side story last year like the attention to detail and like making it period accurate and stuff like that so i definitely understand i just don't think it's as interesting (laughs) as something else Uh, elvis the same production design for a boslerman movie makes sense uh all that can avatar um (laughs) it's gotta go somewhere avatar um I guess it's a digital production design sort of for Avatar, right? Because um, Avatar, basically an animated movie and um, all quite on the Western front again, haven't seen it, but uh, it's showing up in so many categories makes me go, God damn, I got to watch this uh, quickly. Have you seen it yet, Eric? Or no? no, I haven't. It's the, it's one yeah. of the only like two Leslie and, and, and all quite on the Western front are like the last couple, which I, we, yeah, we'll catch up to them and we'll talk about them. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's always interesting when like, again, your attention is always kind of, you know, part of you wants to see everything that you want to see. And then when it comes to award stuff, you know, you're, you're, you're drawn to certain films that are, you're, you're getting bombarded with. So again, the Netflix thing of being like glass onion, Bardo, um, you know, like those movies were their, their, their first priority. And now all quite on the Western front, I, I think they did shift, their campaign strategy a little bit but you yeah. can tell like the movie that they weren't expecting to do anything became their you know star film in a way and and again part of it is a lot of craft nominations but those craft nominations add up 
you know, and then that's kind of where you get the support from an international um, mm-hmm. uh, membership as well, because it is an international production um, through Netflix. So those things are important to consider um, as well. So, you know, moving forward in years to come, you know, those are kind of the things that you might want to keep in the back of your, your, your mind. But another nomination that I was kind of thinking might happen that didn't. And again, this goes to the point of like, what voters consider to be production design, but you look at something like Avatar, the way of water being nominated, but then something like Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is Pinocchio. Yeah. And that yeah, production I design totally is agree. literally hand built. And obviously it's a smaller scale, but it's all real. Like it's, it's, it's all man made or, or person made. And so when you're more people from the Academy needed to go to the Academy museum and exactly. See, um, and, and, or wait, and, it's not, uh, oh, wait, it wasn't at Museum Academy. of was at MoMA. Uh, yeah. Sorry, we've gone to too many but there's, museums. But yeah. there's but there's a lot of people that are Academy voters that are that are in New York, so they needed to go see that. But Guillermo's been talking about that th- this whole season, where you know, animation is only kind of considered to be in that one category. Kids, you know, yeah. it's, and it's it, a kids it, thing where it's, and it's really not its own genre, and it's like yeah, it's not even a yeah, it's. It's a genre, not just a. And another what, movie what that probably keeps saying, I forget. Yeah, it's it's it, animation is just not like it's it's I not a genre. It's it's yeah, yeah, it's more than that. Um, another movie that wouldn't get nominated here, but kind of maybe deserved to be considered was The Northman. I think The Northman's one of those movies where like the production design and the 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 villages that were built in that. If I liked anything film. from The Northman, I would say production design is yeah. is quite solid but it wasn't gonna get anything no. come on um music original song we have applause from tell it like a woman no idea what that is that's a diane, diane warren, warren song, yeah. right yeah i know that but i don't know the what default the nominee is. always um, every yeah, year yeah <laughs> who will she lose to this year i mean she just won uh, an honorary <laughs> oscar so it's like i know i know, you know i know um hold my hand from top gun maverick lift me up from black panther wakanda forever not to not to from rrr and this is a life from everything everywhere all at once um i really hope not to not to uh just you know it's beats out lady gaga rihanna um david Byrne and son lux um diane warren uh, diane warren so uh, I really hope that happens. Uh, the other thing I really hope that happens is that not to not to gets performed at the Oscars. I fucking hope so. Um, I agree. It's the first these. time that I'm... I think I've been actually interested in seeing a, a music performance played during the Oscars. You know, like it's it's yeah because they rare. used to do all five right, but yeah. then they stopped doing that. And sometimes they only do a couple of them. I mean, if they can get Lady Gaga or Rihanna, I'm sure that will happen. Um, but I really hope not to not to gets performed because that would be fantastic. They have to, right? Like they yeah. have to. Um, uh, yeah. The only thing like I, I loved um, the song. It, it didn't show up anywhere, but I know me and you really liked the boy band music from turning red. Yes. Um, well, Cause it was, it was, um, um, it was cut from the short list. Um, yeah. That's why it didn't make it in. But yes, uh, nobody like you and 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 those songs from Turning Red, I think, are very much worthy. But but again, it kind of it, it kind of shows you that like there's some sort of recency bias when it comes to winning an Oscar. You know, recently, like Billie Eilish um, and yeah. and her brother uh, Phineas, um, they 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 won for No Time to Die, 
and that was just last year, right? So, you know, it's almost yeah. kind of like, oh, you just won. And even though your work might still be good, it's like, well, maybe we should give it to somebody else. And part of you is is like, I get that. But then also you're also thinking, well, Diane Warren is nominated again for a movie that probably like five people have seen. No one saw. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and so, yeah. And, it, and, it, and we'll talk about that, I think, a little bit more in the cinematography uh, nominations. So. <laughs> Shout out to uh john fick on twitter created um a number one oscar pundits image for us to use so you should go look at it eric it's funny um as we're recording i checked on twitter <laughs> um, <laughs> shout out to john um that is real good it's really it's real good um everyone go check out the uh, the geekiverse is john's channel um they do good shit over there too um all right moving on to original score staying in music all quiet on the western front uh babylon uh babylon. The of uh everything everywhere all at once and the fablemans um love seeing son lux get in here for everything everywhere i think justin herwitz's score for babylon is uh fantastic i've been listening to that a lot uh banshee scores great too and then obviously john williams being john williams and again i'm sorry i can't say anything about all quiet because i haven't heard it i haven't seen it yet but i'm excited to see that it's showing up everywhere all um, at once things things missing giacchino score for the batman uh what else is missing here that's the one that kind of stands nope. out to me i think nope's a big nope. one score is good too yep uh, even um, RRR, um, yeah, like just looking score is great. Looking at some of the kind of like maybe alternative ones. Oh, that was another one that we we didn't mention with with song that kind of seemed almost like it was going to be a shoon but wasn't nominated. Was Chow Papa? You know that wasn't nominated. Yeah. And um, again, yeah. going to the whole thing of no animation as one animation category, and that's that's good enough. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, so um, it's 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 one of those things where it's like like Bones and All is another one where I think like the score for that movie helps yeah. set the tone of what is to come, you know. And and with have you that, gone back and listened to that? Because remember, I mentioned The Last of Us when I heard it. Yes, the score yeah. for Bones and All sounds like Gustavo Santiolala's score for The Last of Us. Like those opening moments in, in that, I've listened to that score a couple of times too. It is a great score. And women talking. Um, Where's the women talking score? Oh you know, yeah, like, tar as well. I know. It, um, yeah, both uh, both from the same composer. It's just like yeah. Again, she won recently um, for Joker, and and it almost kind of feels like, even though we got a lot of um, you know, uh, publicity or or marketing towards us for. I mean, hold on just a second. The records and stuff. Like, yeah. you know, we got this. You know, the world's so the world's biggest coaster. <laughs> We get it. You have a hot take on Tar. Hot take Tar. Uh, <laughs> um, Eric, for audio listeners, Eric held up his uh, vinyl record for Tar, um, which then led to my joke about because yes. I don't like Tar. I'm kidding, everyone. It's a great score. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I get it. Um, moving on to makeup and hairstyling. All quiet on the Western Front. Uh, the Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, at least we don't have a Suicide Squad this year. Um, or Norbit. But you do have, yeah, Norbit. I mean, 
Yeah. You know, sometimes in this category, we've said it a lot of Oscar categories. Sometimes it's the most. Um, and a lot of these have the most, I would say. Um, but obviously, I think the penguin in the Batman is, is fantastic uh, makeup. Um, I think the costume, we're not on costumings, but the uh, makeup and hairstyling on Black Panther's f- fantastic. I guess I understand it for Elvis. Like, I get it, even though we didn't like that movie. Like, I do get it. And then the whale, obviously. But um, sometimes, I don't know, just putting someone in a, you know, a, prosthetics and and and, prosthetics and and sometimes i'm like i get it it's like you know transformative for brendan Fraser. that's why obviously he got a nomination for acting we'll get to as well or austin butler for um, elvis you know yeah right so anything you think missing here well vision i I I mean genre genre yes but genre movies as well it's it's so strange when you know talk about recency bias there is a genre bias as well because there's a couple of films where it's like okay in in a truly fair playing field you would have something like barbarian or crimes of the future um being nominated in in this category and and again i know they're more polarizing movies overall and they wouldn't show up anywhere else but you know david cronenberg's the fly was nominated and won the uh makeup uh oscar for for that movie back in 86 so it's like Genre movies in particular always seem to get the short shrift when it comes to just like even the most basic stuff. Like, like you think of like the days of Jack Arnold and like the classic universal monster movies and, and, and those things like the effects that the visuals of certain characters in barbarian and crimes of the future, not only stand out in that kind of showy way, that a lot of some that a lot of these other nominees do as well, but they they serve a purpose in setting a, up a kind of unsettling quality. Well, because they're a lower art form, Eric. No one will pay attention. Whatever. I'm being facetious. I know, I know. know that. But um, yeah, I agree with you. It's just even the Northman. Uh, like the Northman know. has some really strong, uh, practical makeup and 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 even costuming Agreed. when we get to that category. Like. Agreed, you know, agreed. There's a lot there. So again, genre movies should kind of almost have the dominance in in in, in that field, but they don't. All right, a little, little granola bar break because Eric's internet crapped out. Um, yep. I now have a Coca-Cola because a cold brew wasn't enough. Um, I'm drinking water out of my Top Gun Mavericks uh, swell uh, bottle. Where the hell did you get that from? It's when I did the interviews uh, earlier this oh, year. Yeah. Nice, nice. You got a nice. Yeah, swell bottles are great. I, I still I can use taste the, the Scientology. Speaking of uh, Netflix money for All Quiet on the Western Front, um, I use my Netflix one. I love that water bottle. It keeps shit ice cold. Just ice cold. And the Netflix logo is black on black, so it doesn't look like I'm just shilling for like some right. company when I use it. Um I think the Top Gun one looked similar. But um, anyways, we were talking about uh, the Oscars. Obviously, we were on international feature film, uh, which was All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina 1985, Close, EO, and The Quiet Girl. And we were discussing how Decision to Leave uh, was the kind of big one that uh, got snubbed here. Uh, I was mentioning that maybe some of the voters felt kind of uh, how I felt about the movie, which was a little cold. I did ultimately think it was okay, uh, but I didn't love it. But I know the people who love it really, really love it. 
so I guess that's the big one missing here. But I guess with all the nominations, this is all quiets to lose, right? <laughs> Usually that's how it goes. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you know, the dark horse or dark, dark donkey in this case would be EO. Um, but I think there's a couple interesting snubs here. Um, minus decision to leave as well. Obviously that's the glaring one. And, and again, like you think like Park Chan-wook who is a known filmmaker on the international scene, yeah. you know, has old boy alone should be enough to kind of have that interest, but maybe it's because movie didn't have the resources to get as many people to watch the film, even though they did send out digital screeners and things like that. And it played the festival circuits starting at Cannes. But the movies that are kind of interesting as well that are not here, uh, Return to Soul, which I think is is a movie that kind of had a, a decent enough backing with Sony Pictures Classics. Um, and then Bardo um, is another movie oh, yeah. that a lot of people really liked quite a bit, um, but was also divisive. But Bardo still got a nomination, just not in uh, international feature film. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, film editing. The Banshees of Inishirin, uh, Elvis, <clears throat> Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. Um, this is when we're going to start to see everything everywhere start to pop up in more and more things. Because right everywhere. now- Everywhere. We're going to see it pop up we, everywhere. Yeah, basically. Like, it, we, it missed out on a lot of the ones other than screenplay that we've talked about so far. But now it's going to start being in everything as we keep going. Um and its editing is fantastic. We talked about that a lot uh, when we first reviewed the movie. And even I think when we talked to the Daniels as well, we brought up uh, the editing in the film. Um, look at us. Number one Oscar pundits. Our friend uh, Max Scoville tweeted being like, well, did anyone think this would be Oscars? I was like, I did. I remember the moment I saw this goddamn movie. You even doubted it, Eric. I was the one who talked about it. Uh, not that I was the only one, obviously, but um and it's way too early in March when we saw that movie to start predicting Oscars. But at that time, I was like, I could see it. I could see it. And look at now. It's leading the nominations. I love it. Um, editing here, uh, you know, sometimes, again, even talking about everything everywhere, sometimes the most gets nominated. And everything everywhere definitely has the most editing. Um but it's also, but it, like it works thematically with the film, Totally. Right? With the, yes, the movie is a maximalist kind of movie. So is Elvis, right? Which Elvis makes it in. Uh, Banshee's on the opposite side there of being kind of um, very minimal compared to those other two. Tar still being very bombastic as well. Top Gun being very bombastic. And um, so, uh, yeah, I but like the these Top Gun for, Maverick nomination, I think is yeah. really important here because the way that yeah. that movie the pacing of that film, the way it moves, the way that it gets from one big action set piece to another. There's not a moment in that movie that feels like you could cut it out and it would make it even Agreed. better. Like everything that is there feels like it's necessary to the story and yeah. to kind of keeping the pace up of the film. And so like, this is a, a really important nomination for that film. And I could see it winning, or upsetting too, everything yeah. everywhere all at once, even though I think everything everywhere all at once for Paul Rogers is the front runner in that category. Because again, it is up front with the, you know, continual cutting uh, throughout the Look at that movie. dude's timeline for that movie. It is wild. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like his editing timeline. And um, even the Daniels talked about that when we did yeah. the interview with them where like, you know, part of the, the, the writing and the writing process is through editing. You know, you 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 yeah. build the script through the edit, um, and so you know, like I think a movie like 
everything everywhere all at once is going to win it. But if there is going to be an upset there, it would be Top Gun Maverick because oh, again, the pacing of those movie, action sequences and just the flow of that movie. Absolutely. I think is it, it one of its strong suits. Uh, moving on to documentary short film, uh, The Elephant Whisperers, uh, Haul Out, uh, How Do You Measure a Year, The Martha Mitchell Effect, and Stranger at the Gate. Uh, unless you have anything, Eric, we can move on. We haven't watched any of those, I don't think. Um, <clears throat> documentary feature film, we have All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and uh, Navalny, uh, or Navalny. Um, it's been pronounced I, in a couple different ways. It's it's one yeah. of those ones that's kind of a little bit weird, even though like because it, it, the uh, the the director of that um, is a Canadian filmmaker as well. Um, oh, awesome! Though I think Sorry. the one glaring omission in that category, even though Neon is is quite dominant there with both uh, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed and uh, Fire of Love, is Moon Age Daydream uh, not yeah. showing up, yeah. but also a concert documentary that's also kind of like a quasi trip out film that's not a linear subject matter even though david bowie is such a force of of a personality and people know who he is i think might have gone against kind of the more traditional voting yeah, members that. in the experiment i think if you're quality. not a bowie fan maybe like, i mean i i'm not necessarily i don't dislike him but i'm not like a big bowie fan but um i did really enjoy that movie but maybe because of the subject matter i guess maybe i don't know like i know a lot of people like bowie and everyone in the academy probably likes bowie but like yeah i could see i could see why uh you know a music doc like it's sort of concert doc sort of this trippy kind of like you said but um yeah fire of love is neon but isn't that also national geographic as well is it's that a collab yeah so yeah, neon okay. picked, so because i know fire it's on love played Disney sundance Plus last year. year yeah oh okay yeah but uh yeah. It, it's it's a neon neon released it theatrically and okay. so again like but nat both, geo has it for like home video or like at home or whatever yeah yeah and so that it'll end up on disney plus uh in in a lot of places internationally but um both moon age daydream and fire of love are two documentaries that i think also could have been nominated in editing because i think that the way that those movies are structured are are i mean obviously they're they're well directed and they, they have a vision in terms of what the filmmaker wanted to you know display in terms of the these people that they're that they're portraying but the way that the film presents these people's perspectives and the archival footage and the way that it cuts and where it cuts and what it decides to keep in and how it moves are so important and documentary again put in one category for the most part like you know yeah. the, the the one i always give the example for that i've always found strange is when Hoop Dreams got its one nomination, it wasn't for documentary, it was for editing, you know? Yeah. And and so that sometimes happens, but it's it's very rare. Yeah. Uh, I really love All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. I need to watch Fire of Love. I need to watch a lot of these again. I uh, famously joke that <laughs> documentaries aren't real movies, but I do love, a lot of the times when I watch a documentary, I'm like, oh, these are this is great. I should watch more of, docs but um i just have such a focus on new release narrative films that i rarely get to them but festival time is usually when i try but even looking at sundance i'm like when i have to prioritize because i can't watch seven movies a day 
unfortunately for me, those docs are always the ones where I'm like, I can probably skip that, <laughs> which is a bad way of thinking. And that's why things like this probably happen where documentary films only show up in that one category, right? I'm part of the problem, Eric. That's what I'm saying. Right. And and and, and I'll take well, some all of the that beauty of the budget. One of my favorite one of my favorite movies of the year. So yeah, and Nan Golden is an Oscar nominee, which is really cool. Um, but no, I'll take some of that blame as well. But I I, I do think overall documentaries um are doing quite well in the world of streaming. I think that Oh, absolutely. When, I, people love docs on streaming, yeah. So if if anything, like in terms of the shift of of watching more stuff um, you know, day and date or you know, directly on a, a Netflix or Amazon, you know, or Apple TV plus is the documentary um, as, as a film. And I think more people are able to see it because of that. Um, and what's also really wonderful though, about um, all the beauty and the bloodshed, again, talking about that neon deal with criterion, it's going to be one of those films. So um, very excited that that movie is yeah. going to get a, 4k blu-ray release down the line a physical release because again documentaries don't normally get that kind of physical media attention um that you know so many narrative films do nice uh directing we have martin mcdonough in the banshees of inishirin for the banshees of inishirin he's not in it um, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert uh, for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness. Uh, that's a surprise, I think. I don't think many people had him on there. I mean, I love Ruben Ostland. Um, uh, great guy. Uh, interviewed him one time, but we've always for Force Majeure. Yeah, he's one of those guys since Force Majeure. I was like, I will first in line for anything he does. So I love him. So good for him. I just didn't think he'd show up here for directing. Um, and, you know, obviously this being a category where there's so many great films directed by women this year and, you know, an all male uh, uh, lineup again, isn't a great look. Uh, it's hard to control that when, you know, you don't separate you know, male and female directing like you do with acting and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that that would fix anything. It's just, you can't really control how your voters vote. Uh, so that's just something they need to keep kind of addressing and adding more members that, uh, and things like that. Cause like, I, I guess all of these people here are, are deserving. I think people like Steven Spielberg and Todd field and Mark, uh, like have a ton of respect. Uh, so I think that's why, uh, they're kind of shoe ins. And then, you love seeing like the Daniels make it in here. Cause that's the guys people keep joking that people who the guys who made the farting corpse movie, the Harry Potter farting corpse movie and the turn down for what video are now, you know, Academy or Oscar nominees for directing, which I think is incredible. And, um, you know, but I'd like to see Sarah Pauly here for women talking. Um, there's a couple others that got shut out too. Charlotte Wells for um, After Sun. For After Sun, um, I think yeah. like the Woman King not being nominated anywhere. You know, like it's it's interesting. Yeah, where you you get certain films that I think people viewed that more as a popcorn movie. Which I know, a, but but like, but uh, I look at it like Braveheart. Like what you know, yeah. Braveheart gets nominated for or wins Best Picture and Directing, and it's like okay, well, you know, the Woman King quality wise you know some people really do love it some people do consider it more like to be it, yeah. a, a blockbuster film i think it's fine i think it's i think it's well made i think it's like it's it's good for what it's i have doing. nothing i don't think it's a bad movie i just again i leaned towards mixed 
mixed to negative just right. being like i but there is there like there, it, there is but... enough support for it right like there's there's totally enough people yeah that do but like obviously not enough. enough to get no no in, I, I know to... that but to consider you know some of the women that are directing movies this year totally yeah that was one that was kind of you know in in the forefront and, yeah. and i think like it's again like you know you're obviously going to vote with how you feel and like ultimately that's yeah. going to be the deciding factor but also to for someone maybe to say that oh there wasn't any you know good movies directed by by women or you know nine non-binary filmmakers it's like yeah that's not true either because there are examples yeah. you know whether or not you like them that's another thing but Sarah Pauly, you know, again, it, uh, yeah, Women Talking is a Best Picture nominee, and she got nominated for Adapted Screenplay. So it's like, you, you know, and the, and the movie is really good, but but again, maybe a lot of directors in that branch felt that it wasn't about directing, which is strange because again, like it's 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 obviously one because location. it got the screenplay because it's very dialogue driven. It's in one location, but I think even the editing, we didn't bring that up. I think the editing in women talking is excellent as well. Yes. Um, which uh, we didn't talk about during the editing category. So yeah. Yeah. I don't mean even someone like SS Rajamuli, which we would have loved to see RRR show up uh, in more spots. I would have liked like no offense to Ruben Ostland. I love Ruben Ostland, but I like, I, I wish RRR was champion the same way Triangle of Sadness was like uh, um, as a, but I, I don't know. Like I, yeah, I, I, you know, my thoughts on Tar, I mean, Todd Field seems like a talented and, and good dude, but like, I, um, I, I don't care for that movie and Spielberg. Like, I think it's because he's Spielberg. Um, and I know people do like the Fablemans has done really well, but again, there's a movie that, um, you know, I, I think makes sense for him to get nominated for directing. It's about him as a child and, and you know, becoming a film director. So it kind of is. It speaks uh, to the, the, yeah. the voters who, who are both idolizing him as a filmmaker and then also yeah. the story itself. But it, it is strange because I, I feel like I, I get it. And like to your, you've made those points perfectly, but it's also like I found more passion and personality and and something a little bit more intimate about the filmmaking in West Side Story than I did with the Fablemans. I agree. Like it, it felt like the Fablemans, like obviously it's coming from a very personal place, but West Side Story felt like a challenge for Spielberg because he had never done mm-hmm. a full on musical before, and like that kind of yeah. like took him into a a new realm as a director. So it felt very much like him, but it was something sort of fresh because he's never done a musical where this feels, you know, par for the course, right? Yeah. Like we, we understand it's very good and it's good technically and it's well directed and things like that. But I don't know if it does anything to like stand out. And even Martin McDonough, like I, I, you know, I'm mixed on Banshees. I've, I've come around on it and I think it's a, a solid movie and I like some of its themes and performances. Um, I still think it fizzles out for me and I don't know if the direction is like, it's very well made and, and beautiful and, 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 but I just don't know if it's hard of what, like whatever your definition of directing is, right? Like it's very well directed, but I don't know. There's some other things that I think stand out a little bit more than, than Banshees, but um and I yeah. guess triangle, uh, it's a lot as well, which maybe, you know, catapults it into there. But yeah, man, 
don't know. And there's a lot of camera movements. Like, I think that's another thing with directing where it's like, oh, do you have like a, you know, an interesting single take or, or, uh, you know, a 360 pan around a room or is there something that's kind of really showy? And I feel like maybe with the exception of, of, of Banshees, like Tar has that Juilliard scene, right? Where Kate Blanchett's doing that single take where it's kind of like that's showing you the 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 director side of Todd Field who who you know has been nominated before but Bold as a choices writer and yeah yeah things like that things like that where again you know um I think what Charlotte Wells does in in After Sun is very subtle bold choices yeah but, but I she think there's some still really interesting and... decisions in the composition and in the framing and 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 again another nom- another film that should have been nominated for editing because I think some of the editing in that movie is so crucial to the character beats but also the idea of creating this stream of consciousness being remembered, you know, a past memory coming back. So, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and Jordan Peele, you know, for, be, for best director, like the, the scale and scope of that movie is for Nope is incredible. Like the, the ambition that that film has, it's, it's again, the best Spielberg movie, the best Spielbergian film of, of the year. And then Park Chan-wook, I think yeah. did a lot of really interesting work with decision to leave. And, and, and another movie that also, I think, should have been considered for editing and, and obviously not getting anything is, is, is kind of disheartening. But um, I, I think the most interesting thing about the Spielberg nomination and the Fablemans in general, that maybe we didn't even talk about even in our review is I like the idea of Spielberg just being like, you know what? I got to beat everybody to the punch. I'm going to make my own biopic of, of for myself yeah. and not have yeah. someone down the line come and, you know, make a Spielberg biopic because I'm sure he was thinking uh, about that someone at some will. point. Yeah. 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 JJ Abrams will direct it in 10 years or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah. We've said enough about the directing category. Daniel's all the way. Um, <laughs> costume design, uh, Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda forever, Elvis, everything everywhere all at once. And Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Good for you, Mrs. Harris. Um, you made it in there. I think it's your only nomination, right? Yeah. Um, good for you. Uh, I love the costumes and everything everywhere. Elvis makes sense. Uh, Black Panther, um, didn't make it in for best picture, which I, I, I understand. I don't think it's nearly as good as the first movie, but, um, it's making it in, in a lot of those technical categories and Babylon again, which also, uh, tracks. So, uh, I like, I, I haven't seen Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. It's not my kind of movie. Not your cup um, of tea. I have. And yeah. it makes sense because again, like it's also interesting that, you know, Leslie Manville is in two kind of movies that are focused on the world of couture and with, you know, Phantom Thread and, and that. And, you know, the way that those movies are tailored um, is is all about the costumes. So, again, it's kind of at the forefront. But for a movie that was released over the summer last year, you know, to have that interest still maintain or be remembered, you know, is is a lot to be uh, congratulated for focus for really pushing that movie and again you know there are other films like the northman that i think you know have some really terrific costume designs and just like the development of certain articles of clothing um banshees of inishirin has a lot of great stuff as well um women subtle, talking that's right yeah, i think is, is, is really good like, again, rrr is another but... one that i think is like the costume design oh, yeah. that is critical to the characters and, and how they inhabit, you know, this kind of uh, colonialized version of India and sort of trying to break I away say from Glass that. Onion. I like the costume design in Glass Onion. And, Contemporary uh, stuff. Again, always never, omitted. never 
gets through after Yang yep. again. But that I like that futuristic kind of uh uh, look and stuff like that too so um cinematography all quiet on the western front bardo false chronicle of a handful of truths elvis empire of light and tar um this one was all over the place for me like i didn't expect this five to be the five i don't know what i was expecting and um <laughs> but i it, it's when it, this one was the most surprising to me when all five came through just because like I don't, I get the Roger Deakins thing. Um, you know, I guess I get the Bardo thing. Like if I haven't seen all quiet, I, I, the Elvis thing, I'm like, all right, I, I don't know if cinematography is, you know, it's a lot, um, <laughs> that movie, like a lot of camera movements, a lot of flashy fucking zooms and pans and fucking everything in the kitchen sink. But I don't know if those were the five I would have thought about for, you know, cinematography because for me like i love everything everywhere cinematography i like top gun maverick cinematography uh but something you brought up where you weren't sure how much claudio miranda uh it's claudio miranda right yeah um um how much he would give be given credit for that or because he set up all the cameras and the actors had to do it themselves you know all that kind of stuff i love uh, the look of babylon i love the look of women talking i know you didn't as much after yang um the batman that's the big uh, nope. one where it kind of feels nope. like Greg Frazier, um, you know, having just one for Dune and yeah. the work that he does, does in the Batman is some of the best work. I think even it rivals the stuff that Nolan did in, in, in his Batman trilogy. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I almost feel like that's a recency bias kind of thing as well. It's like, we just gave it to him. We're probably going to give him another one for Dune to, um, you know, let's, let's skip him this year. And then Top Gun Maverick, I just like, that was the front runner you know, for that category up until now, like Claudio Miranda was getting nominations from critics groups for Top Gun Maverick. Um, and, and people were like, okay, that's going to be the one to beat. And now it's kind of almost like a random toss up of like, it could be a five random. I just feel like, like <laughs> it could be anything. This is the one, this is the one where I'm like, uh, okay, uh, all quiet. I haven't seen it. It must look gorgeous. It's getting nominated everywhere. And like, you know, like Tar, Tar technically, like, again, I don't like the movie, but from a technical standpoint, it's immaculately crafted. And then Empire of Light, a no movie we both didn't really love. Um, I love Roger Deakins. I love Roger Deakins cinematography and basically anything. I think in Empire of Light, maybe a lot of voters only watch that first half an hour because I feel like. Or they that didn't first watch it at all. An hour, yeah. That they just first said Roger Deakins is going. Enough. Yeah, or saw a screenshot or something, right, of the cinema, like uh, uh, in the snow or whatever. Like, because I do think that opening half an hour with those kind of very, um, you know, extended shots of the cinema, and I love Roger Deakins' soft lighting and all that kind of stuff. Like, I I do really think that the, that opening bit is is really gorgeous. But then I feel like he loses himself twenty thirty minutes in, and it becomes very standard or bland looking like um after those kind of you know setup in and establishing shots of the cinema so uh that one's interesting um and elvis like i mentioned like i it, we both really did not like that movie uh, no i i'm still great i'm but, still grateful that the academy recognized another uh woman uh, as a cinematographer yeah. in, in, in mandy walker's work but 
yeah, there's just something where it's like there, there, there are other films that had more, again, it's such a weird thing with cinematography because some people look at it as just like lighting. Does it look good? But cinematography is about the visual as well, right? Like it's like what you remember within the shot. Like, is there an image or a scene that stands out visually to you that you've taken away from that year? And and another movie yeah. that again might have had a harder struggle to get in, and, and obviously um, it didn't. Is EO? I think that that in terms of of what is on display about a donkey's you know traipse around Europe. There are some images in that movie that are unbelievably striking, both in a beautiful kind of way, but also in a startling and unsettling surrealist version of what Europe is now. Um, And I think it's the way that they harness GoPro cameras in certain sequences. I think it's the best use of that technology. And so, like thinking about that, it's like again, think other outside than Jackass Forever, yes, which is another donkey. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's like one of those things where even like something like Jackass Forever that would have been a really, you know, audacious in the documentary category, or, 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 or again, um, you know, uh, cinematography because like yeah, or editing, awesome, editing yeah. even you know? <laughs> like yeah, the yeah. way that the timing works in that film is key. It's great. Yeah, to the delivery of, of to the your punch lines and yeah. Absolutely. Uh, animated feature film, uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, uh, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. Uh, shout out to Turning Red. We have to have that Toronto uh, representation there. Um, uh, you have two non-traditional animated films with Marcel the Shell and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio being uh, stop motion um not they are traditional but you know what i mean by that and then uh puss in boots making that last uh last minute push uh that push last wish um yeah <laughs> fuck us um uh people really seem to like puss in boots way more than you and i we didn't review it um and i think both of us think it's fine but i don't really get the hype behind it gorgeously animated has some uh, deeper themes than I was expecting. Uh, it's still a Puss in Boots movie. Come on, guys! Like, like it, it owes on. a lot to it's, Spider-Verse too, in terms of its yeah, visual aesthetic and its exactly. design. So, so that's why I don't think like which Turning Red also you, does a bit of that as well. And um, I haven't not seen the Sea Beast, um, which is also a Netflix film, right? Yes. Yeah. Is it? Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love Marcel the shell. I love GDT's Pinocchio. I love turning red. I like Puss in Boots. Um, so I don't think there's any glaring omissions here. I think the one that people were kind of disappointed, even though it was disqualified is, uh, Richard Linklater's 10 and a half, um, yeah. where uh, Apollo 10 and a half, where okay that movie. movie is very much, you know, like device is it just because the rotoscoping is that why it gets disqualified? yeah because yeah. because it's like you're still shooting the actors in live action right and then in post-production you're you're basically i mean avatar should be in this category really like yeah yeah I, i'm i'm it's avatar is an animated movie like i know it's uh, it's it's just how you define animation right like is animation have to be you know, not a human performing it and it has to be animated by animators. But even though, you know, in Avatar or 
10 and a half as Apollo space 10 and a half man. And a half. Yeah. Space, space man, man story. <laughs> um, uh, he, it is performed by actors and then you're doing the animation over top of them essentially. But I still think that that is animation. Uh, it's a different form of animation, much like stop motion animation is animated by, you know, a person, um, just in a different way. Right. So like, you know, I know avatar has live action sequences, but Marcel, the shell is kind of a blend of both as well. Right. Like, um, so, yeah, it's interesting what they disqualify, what can be considered and um, and things like that. Because in all intents and purposes, like Avatar is an animated movie. Yeah. I'm throw that out there. I think I would definitely agree with you. I don't think your um, hot take is is unwarranted. Um, again, I think it's like a, a weird like kind of breakdown as well. Like, is there like a percentage where it's like it has to be like I think there is in, a rule though, right? Yeah. Like it, it, there's like a 10% or 20% rule, like 80% of the movie has to be animated. Uh, it can have live action sequences. That's something like the Lego movie could have been nominated. Right. But it didn't. Right. No, but it got a best song <laughs> um, nomination instead. Yeah. Um, so like the Lego movie could have been nominated, even though it has that live action sequence with Will Ferrell and, and stuff like that. Right. Spoilers uh, for a movie that's like a decade old now. Um, oh God. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I think there is a, a rule there. Like even something like uh, I don't think something like Chippendale could be nominated if, if it was released in theaters, but like, I think it should like that's essentially like a movie about animation. Like why shouldn't that be considered? Right. But or visual effects. I know even. Yeah. And again, unfortunately it's a, uh, you know, a TV movie, but um, you know, I still think one of the best of the year. Okay. Let's go through all that acting nominees in one, and then we'll talk about them as a whole. Cause we're running a bit long. <laughs> so okay. um, we can go over all of the acting. Um, nominees together uh so i'll start with supporting so actress in a supporting role you have angela bassett for black panther black panther wakanda forever hong chow in the whale carrie condon for the banshees of inishirin jamie lee curtis for everything everywhere all at once stephanie shu for everything everywhere all at once uh actress in a leading role kate blanchett for tar anna de armas for blonde andrea riseborough for two leslie michelle williams for the fablemans and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Actor in a supporting role, Brendan Gleeson for Banshees of Inishirin, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for his one scene in The Fableman. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Barry Keegan in The Banshees of Inishirin, uh, Kihue Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Actor in a leading role, you have Austin Butler as Elvis. You have Colin Farrell uh, in The Banshees of Inishirin. You have Brendan Fraser uh, in The Whale. You have Paul Mescal for After Sun. You have Bill Nye for Living. Uh, and those are your acting nominees. So, Eric, a couple big surprises here. And um, snubs. Obviously, and snubs. So we can go over both. I think the, su the surprises on the good side of things uh, Paul Mescal for After Sun. I think that was one that he was on the cusp, and it's so awesome for that movie to at least get a little bit of a recognition. One especially, you know what? You'll take it, man. Yeah. Like, we'll take it. Like, I think even that nomination for Best Actor will bring a lot of people like attention to that movie, which I think is fantastic. Like, being on that stage with those performances, um, 
I think will bring a lot of attention to a very small movie. So I think that's fantastic. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry making it in for Causeway was a surprise for me. Uh, that's a performance we championed when we saw Causeway at TIFF that we thought he was uh, absolutely excellent in. Um, and Subtle. I wasn't expecting him to make it, uh, which is great. Um, I think Judd Hirsch is a little bit of a surprise to people, right? Like, uh, well, he was, he was in contention, but it was, it it was interesting because like a a part of the best supporting actor race this year was all about like how many people are going to be nominated per film. Are we going to get, you know, like four of the, the five nominees in, in, you know, like two movies with Banshees of Inisherin and, um, Mm -hmm. the Fablemans because Paul Dano and, and, and Judd Hirsch have kind of been on, uh, the awards campaign and yeah. and they went with Hirsch over Dano. Yeah. And, and I like Hirsch in that scene. Like, I think it is, I, I actually like, Hirsch so do more. I. I like but... Hirsch more than Paul Dano and Michelle Williams in that movie. I agree. Just I agree. Put that out I just, there. you know, my stance on if you're in one scene, that's a cameo. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But cameos um, can get nominated. Look at William I know, Hurt and the history of good violence, acting, right? Or Beatrice. Good Straight acting is great. Acting is great acting. So yes. Yeah. not i'm being sort of facetious but, but i get um, what you're saying as well where it's like could you imagine somebody that like even paul dano who actually is quote-unquote a supporting performance and in the entire yeah. movie being passed trying, over right? like, for yeah. judd hirsch and judd hirsch has also been nominated once before for ordinary people back in 1980 Longest in between nominations right yeah like, and, he, and he lost to his co-star timothy hutton who won best supporting actor for the robert redford uh movie so um yeah, it's it's interesting that, you know, again, like thinking that somebody's career getting a nomination once and then that's enough and then, you know, years down the line gets another nomination. It's it, that is kind of cool. Like I kind of for, for a day that. of work. Yeah, <laughs> but but again, I think um, it is a really good performance. I but I do also agree, I agree. where it's like there are other people like like and it, it wouldn't have happened, but Mark Rylance for Bones and All, uh who definitely deserve a, a, a shot at being nominated for supporting actor and yeah i agree um yeah i think brian tyree henry like it's it's kind of a, a really wonderful to see him get nominated because you know talking about one scene performances like a lot of people thought like you know he might have gotten nominated for if beale street could talk for that one scene and like he is yeah. a monologue king but causeway is such a small movie and such a subtle film um that it's really nice that people kind of picked up on, on his work in that movie. Um, I agree. And again, like uh, just thinking Jennifer Lawrence, like also excellent in that movie, but I'm just yeah, so happy that right. Eddie Redmayne did not get nominated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then an actress, I think Ana de Armas making it in for blonde was a little bit surprising, but unsurprising to your point of being like biopics and stuff like that always get nominated. Good impersonations always get nominated. Uh, Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, I think, was a huge surprise uh, to many. I think there were a <laughs> lot of many. people. Ch- <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, champion that performance, which I I'm will fully admit I had no idea existed until that. So imagine me going through going, wait, did I miss something? Like, I don't, I don't even know what this is. Um, so, you know, good for her and good for the last minute kind of push for that. Um, but the, or the rest, I think are, are the people that we kind of thought. And then in supporting, I think having Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Shu for everything everywhere all at once is a bit of a surprise. And even Hong Chow making it in for the whale is great. 
uh angela bassett's fantastic in black panther wakanda forever and uh carrie condon's also fantastic there but there were some snubs you mentioned too eric yeah so let's start with i mean with with best actor it's just like quickly like just like okay the other people that were kind of in the running were tom cruise for top gun maverick and adam sandler for hustle which he got a sag nomination for um but the but academy ca- still don't want they still with adam sandler they're like you're not if, quite if, yet homie maybe maybe your next uh movie with the safety safety brothers yeah i mean if he blows you're trading the roof Pokemon off like cards he, or whatever <laughs> like he did in uncut gems they better nominate him but um yeah that category was weak in terms of like what was continually being nominated but again yeah someone like daniel kaluuya and, and nope right there uh and, and an amazing performance but maybe partly recency bias because he just won not too long ago for Judas and the black Messiah um, for supporting actor. And then for lead actress, like this is a conversation that I think will be discussed and by people that are more knowledgeable, but having no black women in that category, especially with Danielle Deadweiler for till being there and being a part of the awards conversation, throughout the entire season is a little bit troubling. And even though I didn't love the movie per se, the performance is one of those biopic awards worthy works that is doing something both that is educational in terms of reminding people about this horrific trauma, but also kind of showing you a, a form of justice through the filmmaking because the, the, the murder of Emmett Till was probably maybe one of the greatest injustices in uh, uh, American history. Um, and so it's like, well, why didn't, you know, Academy members watch that? Is it, was it too much for them? Because again, you know, yeah, like another film critic are... brought this up on Twitter, a uh, 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 rad where like blonde is an endurance test. Like it is one of the most, like oh, nothing against Ana de Armas, but yeah. it is, excruciating to watch and there are moments in that film where it's like this is just like misery porn and the most exploitative thing because you feel gross for Ana de Armas Mm -hmm. because she's you know giving a really good performance even though the material is kind of again it's kind of vile yeah vile but then you look at it from the point of view it's also exploiting Marilyn Monroe yet again um in in that category so it's just it's it's a weird thing and i know a lot of actors love that i mean colin farrell you know when he won the globe even when anna when anna darmas gave him the award he said like he loved her performance so you know actors are very much prone to the biopic you know the 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 change of the person um which is unfortunate because i was kind of looking forward to blonde but then watching it it's like i just i I was grateful to watch it in a theater because if I had watched yeah. it at home, it would almost probably have felt like watching a five hour movie because I think I would have stopped and started it over and over again. Um, I'm nodding because that's kind of what happened with me. Yeah. Yeah. And then to, and then to Leslie, like we'll, I'm going to catch up with that. Like I heard a little bit about it when it played at South by Southwest last year and Mark Marin co-stars in it. Andrew Riceborough is one of those great character actors who I think is so good that she disappears almost entirely in every role she's in. And she usually doesn't get the credit she deserves in films. Like even like thinking back to the early 2010s, like she, she has one scene in never let me go. Uh, the Mark Romanek movie that is just 
devastating. And then you look at more recent work and, and, you know, some of the movies themselves aren't the greatest, but like, you know, when she's paired off with someone like Emma Stone in Battle of the Sexes or with Nicolas Cage and Mandy, her presence is always felt. And even in something like Amsterdam, her performance in that movie might be one of the few things that is okay. Isn't horrible. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, she's always good. And like, it's like, it's great to see that like people saw the movie without really any awards campaigning. Oh, I know. And and, yeah, we do this for a living and I, I was clueless when it came to that. So it obviously didn't get to me to, uh, to watch it. Like we didn't get, screeners for that did we like no we did get we did get like Like, invites for to watch it when it came out because i think it was level film that released it here in canada interesting Um, okay but yeah it kind of went pretty much under the radar for this whole year up until inside baseball stuff of us who vote in a different uh award ceremony which we'll quickly go over uh shortly but um I just I it was totally off my radar, so that that is really interesting. Um, yeah, sorry, and then did you want to say one? Yeah, more thing? I was just going to yeah. quickly say that, like, again, you know, it, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation to have moving forward because it didn't have a campaign, and a lot of these movies do. They have a big studio or a streamer behind them, Budget you know, pushing them and, and ads and and talk show appearances and, and interviews, round tables, all this kind of PR push for it. And yes, yeah, Andrea Riseboro just kind of through literally merit alone of, of other actors seeing that movie. She's an actor's um, actor, right? Like that's the thing where yeah. it's like people will, will see the performance and people that have worked with her before. And, and, and again, she's a chameleon. She's done great work in the past. Um, it's always exciting when someone, someone's work is recognized in that way. And, and, you know, like sometimes, you know, they do the the work themselves or, you know, like it's just a matter of people connecting with it. And then when you heard like people like Kate Blanchett or Edward Norton talking about that performance, it was kind of like, Oh, is this going to be like a weird grassroots thing that maybe gets like a spirit nomination or, or something like that, because there's a ton of really great work that hasn't been nominated this year as well that you look at, like, I don't know if, she should have been put in supporting because she's been nominated in a couple awards groups, but like Kiki Palmer and Nope, I think is, is really wonderful. Rebecca Hall and resurrection. We get is, it, is Eric. Fantastic. You like Nope. Okay. Like, I know. Yeah, I will. I keep like, Frankie Corio. I, I think in after yeah. sun is like, it's like deserved it. Yeah. So it, again, like it's always interesting. And then best supporting actress. I don't know who you push out in supporting actress, but like, I, I you know, I love everything everywhere all at once. I'm so, sort of surprised at the Jamie Lee Curtis thing, but I know she's very well respected, which is probably, um, well, she's due. That's the thing because and, she's yeah. she she's she she's a, a quote unquote nepo baby, uh, being the daughter of uh, Janet Lee and Tony Curtis. But she's also been a great actor for decades. And mm-hmm. you know, having not been nominated for movies like A Fish Called Wanda or True Lies or even Freaky Friday, which was a performance a lot of people really loved from her, it's kind of like a career nomination, right? And and the nepo totally. baby thing, I'm just joking because I think the nepo baby conversation only extends to a certain time because a lot of people that get into the industry that are sons or daughters, you know, of actors or directors or, you know, they, it's, it's an easy in obviously. And I, and that's something where it's like, okay, give me a break. Like you, you, that's the hardest part though, but longevity, you know, there's a lot of people that you have to still be that just don't work out. Right. You still have to have the, 
the talent, but you get more resources to be able to get that talent or get that training or get that first opportunity that many people don't. And I think that's where the the Nepo baby thing comes from, Yeah, which I, which I totally understand. I think the hardest thing is getting your foot in the door or getting that, you know, shot right where every Nepo baby will get that shot, but you do have to prove to everyone that you deserve to be there and continuously be there. And it's not working for Scott Eastwood. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's the thing, right? Like, and you know, it does work out. And I think talent and dedication and craft is partly hereditary. I I don't think it's fully hereditary, but um, you see that even in uh, Tony Collette sports and well, yeah, Tony Collette. Sure. We said hereditary. Sure. Um, I just mean like, you know, in sports as well, I know people listening might not be sports people, but you see a lot of sons and daughters of, of athletes that also make it to the NHL or MLB and like in, in Toronto, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is almost just as good or better than his dad and, and stuff like that. But I mean, they're given the opportunity because their parents are, you know, they're around the sport every day or they, you know, have the money and, and freedom and access to do all this stuff. So I think that does. But you do still have to prove yourself. And I love Jamie Lee Curtis and I love a lot of people who are Nepo babies. So it's just like, you know, you have to prove it. And you if you prove it, then I'm like, all right, you got the access um and and good for you but but work um, for it and and she has she she is one i mean she's one of the best to ever do it do i think that the nomination is worthy i, I don't know i mean i, I, I love know. the I love the movie and i, I love, love Deborah Bobera, but 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 it's one of those things yeah. where it's like i i also understand why she was nominated again she's never been nominated before I, this might be I'm the only on chance the to do it page. Uh, but, but i, I also, love stephanie shu getting in there though too. that's the thing i'm most grateful for about that category is that she yeah. because stephanie shu for me like looking at this now this group is my favorite of the of, of the five and and i agree i think angela bassett will win but i i yeah. hope an upset with stephanie shu could happen and it's possible i don't dual role think man. it'll happen um i don't think it will happen no. although it's you can tell with the nominations people really love everything everywhere all at once so like it's not outside the realm of possibility like i don't know with black panther like if there's still going to be that, I think Angela Bassett is so well respected that it probably will happen. Yes. But I still think that there are those people that it's still a superhero movie. Like it's still a Marvel movie and like a performance for in a Marvel movie has never been nominated and superhero performances we've seen usually in villain roles um, with Joker specifically. Um, well, and also Al Pacino and, and Dick Tracy and, and- yeah, sure. But I, I'm talking specifically like superhero, not just comic book stuff. But um, I I think that because of the Marvel Studios thing, obviously one of the most popular things in the world. But I think from the overall Academy, I'm curious if there's a possibility for an upset because of that. And I think there is. But most likely Angela Bassett's just going to win. I disagree um, with you. I think it is Bassett's to win. Because of, I, no, of the longevity that, of her career, she's been nominated I, once I before for playing Tina Turner in What's Love Got to Do With It, along with um, Lawrence Fishburne. And it's going to be, again, like a career nomination. It's a great performance. I think she really is amazing. She's fantastic in, in the movie. I, forever, especially like that 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 courtroom sequence is is like it's like that was that was enough. But then also, you know, the sequence having, where she uh, thinking she lost her uh, her her daughter yeah. you know and on top of everything she's already lost like 
there's there's a really powerful narrative there, you know, and and I I think it really is hers to lose. And if there was an upset, it would be more surprising than anything else. I think the person that does have a shot, if there was going to be an upset there, would be Carrie Condon for the Banshees of Inisherin, because yeah. that movie is also really well liked and it's an totally. acting kind of showcase. The is, the yeah. the thing I want to quickly mention um in terms of the omission and i think that it's kind of it's not great is women talking i think jesse buckley no acting nominees right claire foy especially jesse buckley for for me like some of the best work an actor has done in the past year and do you think they all like canceled each other out almost like probably yeah i honestly do i think it's one of those things where it's like and it's also who's lead and who's supporting and who's supporting who and are they I all lead and exactly so i think that kind of messed that probably messed everything up because you probably had some people voting for them in lead some people voting for them in supporting you probably had it split based on the actresses in the movie um obviously the two you mentioned with claire foy and, and jesse buckley but like um I think that's probably just what happened there. Cause like it's showing up in best picture and screenplay, but then nowhere in, in the acting categories is interesting, but. And it's an actor's piece in a lot of ways, right? Like that's exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, like the, the, the default criticism for the film when it was kind of playing the festival circuit is it's, it's, it's like a stage play stage play, which is watching actors. Exactly. And, and for it to get no nominations and, and rare, like the critics choice, uh association nominated it for supporting actress for jesse buckley but yeah it like it, it not showing up in an acting category is kind of strange it's also weird that a lot of people did think that like ben wishaw would kind of pop up last minute for women talking where he hasn't shown up anywhere imagine he this... is, he's the only acting nominee for that for movie. women talking. i'm glad that didn't i'm glad that didn't happen like well, I it's, just, it would like, be as bad that... as, as spike lee movies getting nominated for and supporting the, actor and actor, the white guy yeah. gets nominated for like danny aiello for do the right thing or adam driver for black klansman you know um and that happens though too like it's like that could have happened not, not taking anything away from those performances they're no. all very very good but come on like yeah. that's just like the most blatant kind of like, Hey, here's, you know, here's what the Academy is. And like, again, I, I, I agree. I don't know who you take out in supporting. I mean, in lead, I think there's some room to, to wiggle there. If you can, I would consider all the women in that movie, basically leads like for the most uh, part, like shared, Michelle Williams, not I think all is, of them, but is the one. And that's, the, that's, the, that is the other interesting thing this year, the Michelle Williams campaign. So Michelle Williams deciding that she wanted to go lead. She did. But I think that also created a, a bit of confusion throughout the award season yeah. because there were places where she wasn't like she didn't get nominated for SAG and yeah. Paul Dano did for supporting actor. And he was the only actor that showed up in the individual nominations. And so yeah. a lot of people, including myself, thought like, oh, maybe is this going to be a kind of she'll thing where yeah. she'll either miss out or she'll be nominated in supporting because the year that Kate Winslet campaigned for both the reader and revolutionary row which is back in 2008 she was being put in supporting for the reader and then the oscar nomination morning came and she was only nominated for the reader but she was nominated for lead and then al pacino back in the 70s with the godfather campaigned for lead but then he was nominated for supporting and didn't go to the oscars because he protested it because he's 
he's basically a co-lead with with Marlon Brando. I think he's actually in more of the film than Brando is as Don yeah. Corleone. Um, so yeah, it, that's always kind of a weird thing as well, where it's like category placement because like you look at someone like Brendan Gleeson in Banshees of Inisherin, that that is a co-lead. co-lead. I mean, Barry Cogan yeah, is yeah. more of a supporting performance than it is a lead. So. Um, you know, it's it, it's always kind of an iffy thing, but I'm also just again pumping up our our our, our own you know work that we did in the last year. Uh, Ki Hui Kwan being nominated and also winning every single supporting actor award it seems, other than the national. Oh, Film it's award. his to lose, right? Like it, Incredible. it can't. Incredible. It would be it would be a huge upset if anyone other than him uh, won for that. So. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm curious to see how these acting nominations, uh, net out, but, um, let's lead or move on to, uh, our last category, which is best picture 10 nominees this year. Here they are all quiet on the Western front avatar, the way of water, the banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, everything everywhere, all at once, the fablemans tar top gun, maverick triangle of sadness and women talking uh great to see women talking in there uh we've already mentioned uh you see all quiet on the western front making it in for best picture which is again movie that wasn't on my radar until like the last couple weeks and now showed up everywhere um obviously people who pay more close attention to this were talking about that movie a lot more than eric and i but um it's cool to see that get in um avatar makes sense it hasn't really shown up other than some of those technical awards uh really like it didn't really show up anywhere other than a couple technical awards so it making it in still sort of makes sense uh you know banshees was expected everything everywhere leading all the nominations fablemans makes sense tar makes sense top gun a movie you would never (laughs) guess at the beginning if you said the beginning of 2022 Hey, Top Gun Maverick's going to be nominated for Best Picture. We would have probably laughed in your face. Um, and I think most people would have laughed in your face. Hey, man, those um, swell water bottles. <laughs> I, you know what? And then Triangle of Sadness, I, I think, is that one that snuck in there um, that I think was on teetering on that last spot. And same with Women Talking. So, uh, how do you feel about this group of nominees, Eric, and anything that you, I mean, obviously, we know your love for Nope and After Sun and, and personal favorites like that. But, yeah. Uh, do you, is there anything missing here that, sh- like, is a huge snub? I, I mean, more so than, like, just maybe kind of a surprise. And maybe it was 11 or 12 yeah. because, you know, you mentioned Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. But I also think another yeah. one that probably was on the cusp even though I, I'm, I'm not necessarily advocating for it, but I think The Whale was a movie that probably was close to getting a Best Picture nomination because yeah. everybody votes for that one. And the actors branch makes up the most uh, nominees. Yeah. But it is interesting where in this category, you do see an international push for both All Quiet on the Western Front and Triangle of Sadness because Triangle of Sadness is, is mostly spoken in English, but it's still an international production. So it didn't, you know, it didn't qualify for international feature, but you can see probably that push there of, you know, um, places like France or England or, you know, or, or Sweden, like pushing for that to be nominated. But it is, yeah. I think that is the most interesting story this morning is that film came back in a way. Overperforming, that yeah. 
expecting because a lot of people thought, okay, maybe if it does get a nomination, it'll be for Dolly De Leon, and Dolly De Leon didn't even get nominated. It's the only the only thing it didn't get nominated, you for. know, and yeah. and so that is kind of interesting. And then when you look at, you know, the, the the ten there, I think it is a pretty good mix of big kind of blockbustery kind of movies like Top Gun Maverick, Top Gun, Avatar, Avatar. You know, yeah. I, I think more people will watch because Elvis of even. Yeah, because of those movies and everything everywhere all at once, because it had the time to kind of build momentum over a whole year. Um Guillermo del Toro and Alfonso Cron were talking about how, you know, maybe some Oscar voters or generations aren't connecting with everything everywhere all at once, the way that maybe a newer uh membership sort of being brought in is, but I think that's interesting as well. As well. We talk about this year after year is what's the definition of an Oscar movie. Mm-hmm. And it's with, changing, with, but it is, slowly, it is. But... And, and I think with everything everywhere, all at once getting 11 nominations um, on paper, you know, like you, you mentioned laughing at Top Gun Maverick, but looking at everything everywhere all at once, that's not an Oscar film in any way whatsoever where you, I know that's why when we first discussed it, you, I remember bringing it up. I know it was very early, but I'm like, I, I, I brought that up of going, this could really like carry the rest of the year and show up, you know, hugely in award season. And it's, I hate doing that so early in the year. Right. But, um, I think even you who knows this world way better than I do, um, you have a super strong knowledge in it, but I think even you doubted it at the time. Cause you were like, this isn't an Oscar movie. Like it's no. going to people who love it will love it, but will it be celebrated on that stage? And I'm so glad it is right. Like it is that, you know, it, it was this little movie with big ambitions that, um, you know, took the world by storm. And I feel like, um, is, is so cool to see it celebrated even if it ends up not winning a lot of these awards but i think right now it might be personally i have a weird feeling that it is the front runner and that it it will win um that's just my gut feeling right now like i think people keep doubting it they think it's too weird or too out there too maximalist or too like what you said like is it is it more the younger generation likes it will that older generation really grasp onto it and this leads perfectly into our next conversation we'll quickly go over i know we're going long but hey that's us Uh, (laughs) um uh it's i think it is i think it's the front runner right now and i think it's theirs to lose and um you know, I say that, but you never know with the the Oscars. Any anything can really happen. Like, um, it's not always what you expect to win will win. Um, but this year is very much like that parasite year for me, where I have one movie that I'm like, I want you to win so badly, and I have a good feeling about it, but I never trust this award show. I never trust them because something like Elvis will win, or like something Avatar. like that, where I'm like, yeah, Avatar will win, and I'll just be like, all right, that completely tracks, um, uh, and I'll be disappointed. But um, again, it doesn't really matter. Everything Everywhere will still be my favorite movie of the year, no matter if it wins Best Picture or it doesn't. Uh, It doesn't mean that any of these nine losers will be bad movies (laughs) because they lost. except for Elvis, which was already bad. Yeah. 
Antar. Um, and uh, I'm kidding. Um, again, I just a movie I didn't vibe with, but I understand. Um, I don't really understand, but I kind of understand. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like I, I, you know, something like the Fablemans could just win, which would be the boring choice. Right? I don't think like, it is. I honestly think that the Fablemans after BAFTA only nominated it for screenplay. I think the Fablemans going into to the fall festival season was like the front, runner. The front runner. Yeah. But I think it's down to everything everywhere all at once, the Banshees of Inishiran, and then Top Gun Maverick. I think those are the top three. I think those are the films. I would I wouldn't be mad if Top Gun Maverick won. I just like I wouldn't be mad. I the think Oscar it would be dads awesome. vote for Top I Gun would Maverick. be awesome. It would be awesome. It's Daddy's year, Daddy's favorite. Uh, uh shout out to Keith from the Try Guys. But like if Daddy's favorite wins, which is Top Gun Maverick, I wouldn't be mad at it. You know, I just I wouldn't be mad. I, I obviously love everything everywhere all at once. I also fucking love Top Gun Maverick in my top three of the year, uh, or top four of the year. But um and what was the third movie you said? Banshees of Inisherin. Oh, I think okay. that yeah, that's yeah, also yeah. a film that has both the actors branch again because it's it's respect it's an from everyone. Piece, yeah. The writing, the, the the crafts, like it's all there, and it's it's a film that a lot of people do. Like if it's not your number one favorite, like you mentioned, like you, the passion that you have for everything, everywhere, all at once, it is yeah. kind of a good default you know, top five kind of pick. So I could see that showing up. And sometimes like that's the stuff three. that wins, right? Because everyone likes that movie where those other movies are divisive. Right. Mm-hmm. And even though if it's your number two or your number three, it's everyone's two or three, which means it could catapult it into being the number one, because everyone's kind of consensus of going, we all like that movie where, Sixty percent of us love that movie, but forty percent of us fucking hate that movie, right? So, um, it, it's interesting to see how it'll all net out. But um, I think it's a more interesting crop of movies than last year. Um, not to compare years; it's all relative. Like it just depends on when a movie's released. It doesn't really matter. But um, yeah, I you know, and it's like any year. I'm like, I really love a handful of these movies. I really don't like a handful of these movies. I'm indifferent on a couple of these movies. So it's just like, it is interesting to see what gets nominated. And um, I mean, for the most part, I liked liked or was okay with most of these. So, well, I even um, like that people love or have a passion for Elvis. Like, I, I think like yeah. that enthusiasm for a movie that you love, even if you don't like the movie that someone else does, you can still understand that feeling, you know, like that passion that you have for everything, everywhere, all at once, or even movies that aren't nominated, you know, like if you have something that you really care that deeply about that moved you in a way or connected with you, you know, on an artistic level or just on an emotional one, I think that's kind of the whole point of what award season can do because it can kind of show you a nice cross section of what people were watching in the year and work as a time capsule in that way. And kind of like, when we look back at it, it'll be like, okay, you know, this was the year that every, that weird movie about, you know, a a, a Chinese immigrant uh, doing her taxes uh, with hot dog fingers uh, got an Oscar nomination for, for, you know, best picture in multiple categories. If it wins even better. Yeah. And so with that, like it's, it's kind of like, that's kind of a, a, a win in itself, no matter what happens now, everything, the Daniels like for their next movie, you know, if they win, it'll be amazing because it'll be like, the Academy Award winners, the Daniels, or yeah. the Academy Award nominees, the Daniels. You know, oh, this you this alone Swiss will Army let Man them. Too. This alone will get them 
you know, enough from whether it's A24 or didn't they sign an overall deal with someone else? I think else? they did. Wasn't uh, it? Uh, a focus, uh, wasn't I think, it or something. Focus, like Universal or something, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they did. So like, and you got to think, you know, Universal and Comcast has a little bit more money than A24. Um, that being said, that goes with, you hope they get like a final cut on their movies and hopefully something like this gives them that uh, opportunity to have that in their deal because you you hope a big studio wouldn't try to kind of meddle with their wackiness like their weirdness like, let them be and, them and and, and yeah let them do and that's their obviously thing. so it'll be exciting to see you know what they do next because they can probably do whatever the hell they want after this even if they don't win right like all I eyes will win. be on them after this i hope sure. uh, I, I hope they win directing and best picture i would love it but um uh we'll see but yeah it, you never know with the oscars it could just you know it could be avatar and that's fine but it probably um, won't be just because it's like it's like we'll, we'll give it to avatar four or five if it's good like in the same way that like probably return Doom of the king one or two, two. two. Yeah. yeah where it's like we'll wait until we get to the maybe the last one and then give it the win but yeah i, I mean like again overall i i think it is a pretty good cross section there there we've talked about this this whole episode where there are certain nominees or, or films that didn't get nominated but it is it is interesting where passions lie and and you know going back it, it'll be interesting to see like which of these films will last you know we talked about the nepo baby thing but like it'll be like the oscar baby thing like what what is going to be or what are going to be the films on on these in these categories in these groups that we'll think about in 10 to 15 years from now what are going to be the films that are the artists you know like what are the those movies as well you know like what yeah are the films would be like oh the artist won best picture and no one talks about it now or, or got King nominated Speech. or yeah, you or know? something like that. Right. Yeah. But everyone Which still I... talks about the social network. You know, what a travesty that was. But anyways, uh, that's the, we, I'm like, Oh, you know, we'll just do a quick episode. We'll fit all this stuff in. Uh, you know, my second time code time code started at nine minutes and it's like 95th Academy award nominations. And the next time code is one hour, 50 minutes um for uh the next thing critics choice so uh eric let's it's a good segue because we talked a lot about everything everywhere all at once um to just go over the critics choice winners i mean we're, we vote in this we can kind of give a little bit of background we won't spend too much time on this i'm just going to run through uh the awards very quickly and then we can kind of talk about the award show as a whole and maybe it's a pre is it a precursor to you know the academy awards not really a lot of the members in our thing aren't going to be members in 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 the academy uh, i mean probably 99 percent. i don't think anyone would be um, uh, leonard malton is i think the only leonard one. malton is okay there you go yeah. there's the 99 percent. there was that one percent that's why i didn't say 100 um so there will be a few people obviously maybe leonard malton and someone else but um you know i just want to talk about it because we vote in them it was a i think a pretty decent award show um uh, you know, flew by, but I think there's some things with combining TV and film that kind of make it a little bit too much in one show. Um, but otherwise, I, I'm excited to talk about some of the winners because we do vote in this. So uh, I'm just going to go through the winners. I'm not going to read out everything else that was uh, in each category just to kind of speed things up. But then we can talk about whatever we want afterwards. Does that sound good? Yep. 
okay, so I'm just going to start from the top. Best picture goes to Everything Everywhere All at Once. Best Directors goes to The Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Best Actor goes to Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Best Actress goes to Kate Blanchett for Tar. Best Supporting Actor goes to Ki Hui Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Best Supporting Actress goes to Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Best Young Actor Actress goes to Gabriel, Gabriel LaBelle for The Fablemans. Best Acting Ensemble goes to Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Best Original Screenplay goes to The Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Best Adapted Screenplay goes to Sarah Pauly for uh, Women Talking. Best Cinematography goes to Claudia Miranda. Uh, Claudio for Miranda for Top Gun Maverick. Not even a nominee for the Oscars, which we just talked about. Best Editing goes to Paul Rogers for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Best Costume Design goes to Ruthie Carter for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Best Production Design goes to Florencia Martin and Anthony Carlino for Babylon. Best score, Hildur Godintetur for Tar. Uh, not a nominee for the Oscars. Uh, best song goes to Natu Natu for RRR. Uh, best hair and makeup goes to Elvis. Best visual effects goes to Avatar The Way of Water. Best animated feature goes to GDT's Pinocchio. Best comedy goes to Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. And best foreign language film goes to RRR. Uh, not a nominee. Uh, for best international film at the Oscars flew through that Eric anything you wanted to bring up as a whole I can start um, obviously I'm wearing the shirt I voted for it uh, basically everywhere we just talked about it leading the Oscar nominations everything everywhere all at once had a fantastic uh, critics choice winning best picture best director best supporting actor uh, best editing, um, right? Uh, yep. be- best editing, uh, best original screenplay. Uh, so it kind of cleaned up and I voted for it in many, many categories. Uh, so I'm glad that worked out. Uh, so my vote felt like it counted a little bit. So um, I, again, was a huge champion for that movie since the moment I saw it. And I'm glad to see it celebrated here. So even if it maybe doesn't win at the Oscars, um, it still gets its kind of flowers uh, from the critics. So I'm happy to see uh, those dorks get uh, <laughs> shine for these this movie because they just like they're shine shine uh, hearts. Yeah, yeah. I just really I, I love those guys and I think that they they are great and I I love seeing that movie uh, celebrated. So uh, quickly, I'll go over some of my other picks that. Um, that I did contribute to uh, Ki Hui Kwan. Obviously I did vote for Angela Bassett, even though I love Stephanie Shu. Um, I did not vote for Brendan Fraser or Kate Blanchett, uh, but that's okay. Um, I would have loved to see um, Frankie Corio in best younger uh, young actor, actress that's taking nothing away from Gabriel LaBelle, who I think is actually quite good uh, ensemble for glass onion makes sense for that movie. It is truly uh, an ensemble uh, piece, so I'm I'm totally cool with that. I might have even voted for it there. I voted for women Sarah. talking for that category. Yes, that's actually that. a great choice as well, and as well another movie that is a fantastic ensemble, and maybe why it gets split up because it's more the collective of all of them together. Um, Sarah Pauly for women talking is great. I think that is uh, what I voted for. Um, uh, I love seeing again, some things that won't get celebrated at the Oscar, like Claudio, uh, Miranda's top for Top Gun Maverick for cinematography or, uh, Hilder Gudintetur for tar. And if I'm pre- I'm trying to do that correctly. I think I'm close. Um, but, uh, come on the show and let us know. 
please. She's wonderful. Uh, both her scores for women talking and tar are great. Even if I don't love tar, obviously I can't deny that the music is spectacular there. Uh, not to not to and RRR winning for best song and best international picture. Uh, and you know, I'm so glad we even got it into best picture for the critics choice awards, but love that it got to be celebrated in both of those. And same with GDT's uh, Pinocchio and stuff like that. Any your thoughts overall, Eric, on the awards? I mean, it's it's it. There, I'm the go one, to the bathroom. I'll still be listening. The one thing that I really do appreciate in this year, I mean, obviously everything, everywhere, all at once, doing quite well, but also RRR. You know, you have this Hollywood crossover success that, again, has really kind of generated more than just a cult kind of following. It's it's really kind of found an audience on that international scale. And I think more people that see it theatrically than just necessarily watching it at home on Netflix, which isn't a dig against Netflix. It's just, there's something about a movie like that when you watch it theatrically that has a, a, a power to it. And when you see it on the big screen, you realize, oh, okay, that's why, you know, like you you vote for something like that because it is, you know, uh, the power of cinema. And I think that that actually is more of the power of cinema than even like something like The Fablemans, which is also about, you know, how we interpret and see, you know, our lives through film. So I think, you know, RRR getting the nominations it did through the Critics' Choice Association and even, you know, SS Rajamuli uh, for directing, getting that nomination um, yeah. is really just an exciting thing. And that's why, you know, you love being a critic because you can champion those movies that might not make And even it if to, it didn't win, right? It's still yeah, great the mainstream. to showcase them. Yeah, and 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 it's and and weirdly in a way this year the Academy kind of did that a little bit with to Leslie where it's like you yeah. would think like the critics groups would champion something would like that the and one. then it wouldn't yeah. make it into the the big league so to speak but it's it's kind of like a weird reversal um so yeah going back to the, the critics choice stuff yeah there's a, there's a lot of great nominees and like you know Jesse Buckley was my number one pick in, in supporting actress, but I think Stephanie Shu was a close second. You you had people, um, you know, like Paul Mascal and and Charlotte Wells doing a, a incredibly well. Um, and and again, that's what critics groups are for. You know, they they help highlight those movies that maybe need the extra boost or can continue to have the attention in the season. The only criticism I really have. Um, you know, you mentioned it a little bit with, you know, having both the films and television put together. I think the other thing yeah. that maybe if you do separate them again, because they used to be separate, is having all of the awards uh, telecast live. Because I would have yeah. liked to have seen Sarah Pauly get yeah. the uh, Adapted Screenplay Critics' Choice Award. I, I, I would have liked to have heard her speech and her, hear her talk. You know, I know we're and, part of this organization, but constructive criticism. I, I do agree with you fully. That was the one. I thought it was actually a really solid award show. I love that it, they kept it on time. I thought it was, you know, Chelsea Handler did a good job, uh, you know, hosting. She kept it, it moving. Any, like, yeah, like everything, it kept it moving. I thought all the speeches were fantastic. Like I did think it was a very solid uh, award show and maybe partly that's bias. I don't know, but like I'm not, I'm trying to become as unbiased as possible. But the one thing I, I really hope that they change 
is, um, and I know we got an email asking for our feedback, so I will send this through. I usually don't participate in stuff like that, but I feel like I know I need to actually kind of vocalize this, that I really do think that TV and movies, especially TV is getting bigger and bigger and more prestige and, 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 you know, just as big as film, I think, if not bigger in this streaming world at some times that I feel like putting them together on the show does a disservice for both the films and the TV shows. So like, I just feel like they don't get enough, uh, you know, spotlight, especially on some of those technical categories or things like that. And then the pacing of the show being very front loaded for television and then very back loaded for film, um, was a strange, like, I just I think, again, it did a disservice to both where it was like, okay, let's get the TV ones out of the way. But then I also felt like I was waiting an hour and a half before I got any film awards on, on the telev- on the TV event, right? And I know they held those for the end because those are bigger, I'm using air quotes, um, than, than TV. But um, that's to be argued, right? People who love television or, or in that uh, um, side of the awards could argue that as well. And I just feel like, you know, the Globes do it, sure, they combine them, but I just feel like separating them might be a good idea moving forward because I think you just can't. There's so many, there's so many awards. We already have tons of categories on the film side, and then you have tons of categories on the TV side. How you fit that all into a three hour show without snubbing, like, what's the point of even giving those awards out? So you can have a sticker. Or-